0: Praise the Lord. Um, it's my honor this morning to um, welcome Je- uh, Pastor Jeremiah Jeffers to the uh, platform this morning. And um, I've known Jeremiah for several years. We've been very good friends. And um, we're going to be partnering uh, with his ministry, he and Amy, his wife, and um, Leah that just sang his daughter. And um, he's got a very unique anointing uh, to reach people... That are struggling with addiction. And I'm not just talking about certain kinds. I'm talking about every kind of addiction. And uh, how many know that this neighborhood that we have around us is, there's a lot of people crying out. A lot, not just people that are struggling, um, with drugs, alcohol, but also pornography, um, all of the things that the church is afraid to say. And it's not just the persons who are struggling. Uh, they're also wives. They're also children. They're also mothers. Um, there are mothers all over this city um, that are praying right now that somebody would reach their their little boy. You know, they might be thirty, they might be forty, but it's their little boy. How many know that? It's their daughter. It's their little girl. And and um, and church, I would just um, ask you um, to really support. Uh, what we're going to be starting on Sunday nights this month. We uh, want to be a church. Sometimes when you struggle with life, and be my witness on this if you would, you struggle with things in life and you go to church for help. And everything in you is crying, help me. And then you walk in the doors and when you don't find it, how many know that is a tragedy? And so what we want to do, we want to be a church when the doors open, all they see is we're supporting you and we love you and we're welcoming you and you fit in here. And uh, the only way we can do that is if all of us support that. And um, I put it this way, and I'll close here so we he can preach here, But I'm, but when you're a pastor, the very simplest part of being a pastor is shepherding sheep. And that means feeding the sheep, that means watering the sheep. But when you go around and you see certain of the same diseases, right, you realize you need a veterinarian. And a lot of the same diseases are all around us. And we need a person with that anointing to deal with those things that people are struggling with. And I come from a family, you know, where there's addictions were all over my family. And we never found that in church, and so we want to be a church that ministers to that. So give him your undivided support uh, this morning. Hallelujah.
1: Well, good morning, church. Thank you all for giving me an opportunity to be able to come and to serve you this morning. As we're part of a ministry... Right. Ministry is is teaching. And I don't know a lot of things in life. And I don't know a whole lot in God's Word. But I want to share with you this morning some things that I do know. And if you're giving me just a few minutes of time this morning, and you're just entertained what I believe the Lord's given me for our church, not only for Spring but around the world this morning, I believe that that your life will be elevated to another level. I believe that your spirit be encouraged this morning. I believe for joy of the Lord to come upon your life. I believe for direction to come spiritually, emotionally, physically. Not only for your ministry in this church, but for your ministry in your home. And the title of this message this morning is Arise, Let Us Go From Here. Uh, kind of an odd title for a message, but arise, let us go from here. The main part of the message is going to be out of John chapter 14 and verse 31. Arise, let us go from here. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking to his disciples at a specific moment, of time in their life. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to suffer this great affliction that they couldn't understand or even comprehend, the events that were about to take place. And all leading up into this passage in John chapter 14, the Lord is trying to encourage the body. He's trying to encourage these disciples. that already made a decision to follow Him, who He was. All through chapter 14, I believe is the greatest peace chapter in the whole Word of God. He, he talks about this supernatural peace. That can't come from superficial things in life. That it can't come from relationships. It can't come from money. It can't come from tangible things. It can't come from, from your housing. It can't come from what environment that you're in. What country that you're in. But this peace that the Lord was leading them into this day. Was a peace that was of Himself. Because He would already declared He is the Prince of Peace. There is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. Say, what is peace? peace is a ceasing to strive. A peace is a quietness, a calmness. And that's what I believe for the Spirit of the Lord to do in this place this morning, is to bring a supernatural rest and stillness to our minds. Say, well, I don't feel like that I'm in a place where I'm outside of of stillness. I don't feel like I'm in a place where that I don't have joy in my life. Well, I want to, I want to ask a series of questions through this message this morning to help give us all a revelation that we all, including myself, need to arise from this place where we are and to go to the next step. Oh, uh, but some things have to happen in order for that to take place in our life spiritually before we can go from here. Well, where are you trying to lead me into? The Lord's wanting to lead us into exactly where He was leading His disciples is a place of quietness, rest, and joy where we become a life vessel that's lived for the purposes of God. You can have joy in your life, not serve the Lord. You can have a quietness in your life and not be serving the Lord because those things come from from superficial things in life apart from Christ. When Christ's joy and when His quietness and rest comes upon your life, and it's from Him, the author of peace, there will be something that happens in your life that is so supernatural because it will give you the ability to move forward from day to day and to walk in His will and for your purpose for your life. In in the world that we live in today, church, we sing the songs about a church being ready for you, a bride that's being ready for you. This is one of those messages this morning where we're going to break the back of Satan in this place. We're going to break the back of the enemy right here on 700 North 12th Street or Avenue in Evansville, Indiana. And there's going to be some things happen in this service there's going to be some revelation that you're going to hear this morning that could radically change your life forever, that we all in one accord move from this place into the next step that God has for us. And I pray that He would honor you in your desires of your heart this morning when our desires is towards Him. In John 14, 27-31, the Lord says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That word troubled in the Greek, it literally meant to be shifted into a place of chaos. It meant to come into a place where there's such agitation, and there's such a pooling with such force, that it takes you from a place of sober mindset. Takes you from a place of tranquility, a place of peace and rest, into a place of confusion. The word afraid, in the Greek, it literally meant to be a dreadful person. To dread life from day to day. Remember how many people that you meet dread getting up in the morning. How many people that you meet in your workplace as they're watching the news, always they talk about, even in the house of God, we talk about, Lord, just come back and take me home. Just take us out of this place. That's a wrong mindset, church. We're not to be praying for God to come back and beam us out because we don't want to deal with the circumstances at hand because it's too hard, because we're emotionally distraught, because we can't handle what's going on in the government realm, political realm, or church. We're called to be a a place, a vessel of peace where we can see these things, we hear these things, we live in the midst of it, but that we have a desire, something in us says, you know what, all of this may be going on, but I know who I am in the Lord and I have an answer. I've got something that I want to bring to this chaos. I've got loved ones that doesn't know the Lord. I've got people on my job that doesn't know the Lord. I've got people that's close to me in relationship that does not know the Lord. We should be praying, Lord, tarry just a little bit longer. So I have the opportunity to be able to reach the One, Jesus. I believe when the church comes back to that mindset, and we come back to that place of passion and desire, that we will see things happen in our midst, in our bodies of worship, that's going to break the back of the enemy in these last days. It's going to take his spine, clear out from his body. as As the church is infused by the Holy Spirit... And we become injected with the Word of God and His presence in such a way that it makes us resolute and able to stand. He says, so don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Don't be weak. Don't be cowardly. Don't allow the world in your situations, in your living environment, to shift you from one place to the other outside of my presence. But he says, you have heard me say, I'm going away and then I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it even comes, that when it does come to pass, that you may believe. It says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the whirler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so do I. Arise, let us go from here. Jesus. Jesus. Hmm. At least nine years ago, in March, it will be nine years exact, the Lord met me in a very, very dark place in life. Oh, up until this point, I'd spent my life running from the Lord I spent my life in a world in a lifestyle of addiction with every type of addiction that you could possibly fathom. Uh, I was a needle junkie for 15 years of my life. I cooked crystal meth. I loved speed. I loved downers. I loved to do both. And I drank on top of it, not to mention the immoral and sexual acts and adultery and and wickedness that I was involved in and sexual relations and there was just a whole gamma of things that the enemy had used in my life in order to capture me and to take me to a place of darkness and a place of brokenness and there come a point in time in my life in that process after years of trying to succeed and failing time and time again See, in that process, even as a young man, as a young adult, there are many times that I felt that I desired to be set free. I'd go into a church service like this. There might be an evangelist. They might. A church might have been in revival, had a special speaker it would go in. I could feel the Spirit of God move, not even knowing what that was. I would go to the front, give my life to the Lord had evangelists and minister after minister pray over top of me. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in my life. It may have for just a short moment of time, and then I would constantly find myself going right back to the things that I was trying to come out of. And it just seemed like a fruitless attempt. Everything that I tried to do seemed like a fruitless attempt to change my life. Even the church. I felt the church was powerless. I watched the church break my family into a million pieces. Because years ago, when I was a little boy, I got kicked out of public school in the third grade, and my mom tried to homeschool me and a bunch of things didn't work. They put me in a Christian school, trying to reach an attempt, in order to help reach me, they put me in a strict Christian school. And at that period of time, my mom and dad started going to church. This before they had divorced. They, they got divorced not long after this. But we started going to this church. And I remember seeing, as a young boy, because my home was so chaotic, chaotic my dad drove a truck, was over the road. My mom battles with addiction, has ever since she was a young girl, was abused severely in every way you can imagine in her home growing up. And this is what my life was like. Oh, My mom, she tried to be a great mother. My mom, give you the shirt off from her back, but she struggled with things because of her past. My dad struggled with things because his dad died before he was ever born. Oh, When my grandmother was pregnant, for me, he dropped dead of a heart attack at 40 years old. And I'm growing up in this and the fighting that was going on and just the up and down, the chaos all the time. You're scared to death because it's just nothing but a bunch of, just a bunch of chaos and, and fighting and torment. When they started going to church, some of that started to change. I seen as a young boy that something was different. For a short period of time, my family, I felt was coming into a place of normalcy. Going to this Christian school. I'm rebellious. I don't know. I, I got so many things going on inside of me in anger and rage that I just expressed myself in any way. And, and it usually involved violence and anger and frustration. Uh, and I was, I was attending this Christian school and they was trying to work with me and my mom and dad was going to church. In that church, there' was a pastoral leader that was raised up they brought in as an assistant pastor. He decided he didn't want to go through the process that it would take in order for God to elevate him to a place, a platform. So he split that church of 1,300 people. And he split it so hard that after, after that split, my mom and dad quit going to church. Oh, they got out of church. And through a short process of time, the people started coming and inviting them to come back in, and they started going back up there again, and the exact same thing happened. There was a leader in the church that decided that they wanted to be the head, and they didn't want to follow, and the church split again. Until this day, from a church of 1,300 people, it's dwindled down to probably 20, 30 people on a Sunday morning. I watched all of this happen as a young man. And I say these things to you this morning because I believe, sitting under the sound of my voice here, there's probably not a whole lot of unsaved. There may be. I don't know the condition of the heart. But the church house wasn't ever built and erected for the lost. You know, the lost can get saved and come in. The church house was erected for the saints to be encouraged, disciplined, Taught in the in the ways of the Lord. So we can go out and reach the lost out there, and then we bring them in here. But when we have a fragmented church, which means we have a wounded church, there's wounded spirits, there's wounded minds, there's been a shifting that has taken place all around the world. It's very evident. Because if it wasn't, These church houses would be full, right? We wouldn't have the type of panic and the result that we see outside in the world today, the havoc that we see because the church has lost its way. I wasn't prepared for this type of message. This message has to be before you can ever go forward. Because wounds have to be healed in the church before we can ever go to the next step. Lord says, Let us go up from here, from this place, because I have something more that I'm about to show you. And he goes into John chapter 15 and he starts talking about this vine. He goes in, he's talking to him about peace, what peace looks like, that he is peace. And then he goes down to tell him, Now let's go up from here, and then he goes and in straight into a teaching on the vine, and he tells him in John fifteen, sixteen, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name that he will give you. He says that we are a fruit. A fruit is a reaction in action of everything done in true partnership with God. I know we might be kind of fragmented all over the place this morning for a minute, but it need to be in order for us to get to a particular place I believe the Lord's wanting us to go. He relates our physical temple to this fruit. He goes in, he establishes who he is, that he is the Prince of Peace, that you cannot truly have peace apart from me. And then he tells him, he says, some things are about to happen that you can't understand, but I need you to know, do not be troubled and do not be afraid in the process. And he says, now let's go up from this place of fear and torment and agitation, and now I'm going to show you how to do this, to be connected to the vine. The very beginning of chapter 15 is about Him being the vine, and we are the branches that we must abide in Him. He says that we cannot do nothing apart from Him. He says, I have done this so that you can be a fruit to the world, and that your fruit would remain and not shrink back. So as I was studying this, I asked the Lord, "Well, Lord, then, then how does our fruit shrink back after we come to know You, Lord? How is it that we find ourselves many times going back to these places of bondage? We go back to a, a place to where we are, are, are bruised, we're being in torment. How is it that how is it that an individual can come into the house of God, give their life to God, and then go right back out and find themselves sitting on a bar stool?" Wednesday or Thursday morning. Or picking up a 12-pack and going into their home after work when God just delivered them that Sunday morning. Or God just delivered them that Sunday night. Or God just delivered them that Wednesday night or in that service. How is it that we go back to those things of the beggarly? How is it that a junkie comes into the house of God, gets set free, and then goes back out and runs into the next dope house that very afternoon or the next day? Oh, how is it that we can't that we cannot overcome sexual addictions and pornography and, and things that captivate our mind? How is it that one morning we get set free or that evening or that afternoon or in some fellowship meeting and then we find ourselves going right back to it? And the Lord gives us an answer. He said, how is it that a church grows up? How is it that there's people that's working in the church, there's worship, there's fellowship, there's workers of the church, there's an influx of people in the community coming into the church. How does it ever go back to a place to where it finds itself flat on its face trying to rebuild again? It's because of the same principles of fruit. It's because we lose our way in the process of healing. See, we've got to understand something about fruit so we can understand how God works in our life. See, fruit, if you take a piece of fruit on a tree, and I picture this as like an apple tree somewhere out in an orchard. If you take that piece of fruit, things have to happen in a specific way through a time process for it to become what is edible. That you desire when you see it, you know what it is. You desire to take it off the branch and you desire to take a bite. There's got to be everything hatched to go right. It's got to stay connected to the tree. The bud, when it comes out, it must stay connected to the branch. It cannot cut off its source of living. Or it become stagnant. It'll stay whatever state that it is when it comes off. That's exactly what happens in our life, in our spiritual life, as we become connected to Christ. Whatever state that you decide to disconnect from the presence of God will be what state that you remain in. And then you don't only remain, but that bud will actually start to regress and shrink in on itself. He says, well, what causes that to happen in a fruit? What would ever cause it to be knocked off the branch? Or maybe it stays on the branch and it stays connected, but then something bruises it. Something hits it with great intensity and force. In life and as we relate this to our life, say, well what could those things be? It could be something that hits you in your family life, how you grew up. It could be something has hit you so hard in your service to the Lord, in the church. somebody hurt you in the church house. Some minister hurts you. You might feel that you've been hurt by the Lord because things in your life hasn't turned out the way you thought they was going to turn out. Maybe that we step back because we get frustrated because we step out in ministry sometimes and it don't happen the way that we feel that God was supposed to make it happen. So we become wounded, we become bruised. Instead of pressing forward, now we decide to step back and take a seat on the bench. He says, that's a bruised fruit. What happens when a child of God receives a fracture? What happens when a child of God receives a bruise? We've got to look at what happens when a fruit receives a bruise. When a fruit comes up against an extreme blow of force, even if it does not knock it off the branch, we stay connected. Something happens that is, that is irreversible in the physical realm. It changes its molecular structure inside. The whole physiologically, however, if you say that right, probably didn't say it right. Other fruit changes internally. It won't just show automatically on the outside, but through a process of time, its countenance will change. How the fruit is perceived as we look upon it will change because it'll get a dark spot on it. And one of two things happens to a bruised piece of fruit. It will either slow down its ripening process or it will speed it up so fast that it becomes so soft inside. Have you ever seen a fruit like that that's been damaged and bruised? It's so soft that if you just touch it, the shell breaks and it just oozes this ooze all over top of you. Right? It's a nastiness. Oh, it stinks. Oh, or you go up to one that's been bruised and still hanging on the vine and it's slowed down its ripening process and it's got so hard, it never comes to a place of softness that when you go to grab a hold of it and cut it open, it's hard. The structure that it was supposed to have and maintain on the inside for the nourishment that it was made for has been restructured. That's exactly what happens to us as a believer in life as we get bruised if, it's, if the bruising is not dealt with. I'll give you some examples of what that looks like. Of a bruised fruit. And how that we may react. And how we may find that maybe this is part of something of who that we are. That the Lord wants to change. If we have been bruised and we have become overripe, Then when the world brushes up against us. When needs come up against us. When hardships come, we can't handle it. We instantaneously will break open and what comes out of us will not be what God intended that He poured into us to bring healing to that situation. We will become a reactor of bitterness, resentment, anger, hostility. I don't have time for this. How is it that you could ask me to do this, to help somebody? My God, don't you know what i got going on in my life? How dare you come and ask me for service? That's a sure sign of a bruise and a wound that's got to be healed. Oh, family members, people. And this is something that we all go through, church. I still go through it in my own life. I'm thankful for God that He's given me a revelation so I see when these things come that they can be dealt with. Because see, there's something miraculous about being connected to the vine of Christ and not the world. He will heal you while still on the vine. You don't have to fall to the ground weather up. The world can't heal you when you receive a bruise. In the natural state, you have a fruit out here that gets bruised. It can't be healed. It's going to remain in that state and it's going to die. But the difference between the church is, is we're connected to a different branch. We're connected to the healer. Psalm one forty seven three. He says, "He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds." You know what that means? It means that upon our salvation, he heals. Heals in the Hebrew meant a freshness. It's a completeness. He takes what was broken and he makes it whole, and he puts a freshness in us. See? It's about being fresh and remaining fresh for the Lord. And then he says, "I will bind up their wounds." That word, that word, bind, meant to saddle. It meant, I will saddle your wound. I healed you at your salvation. And now, I'm going to bind and I'm going to continue to heal you through a process, of time, of your wounds. He says, that's who He is. He's a great wound healer in the house of the Lord today. You've got wounds and you've got fractures. He is the healer. This is the second thing that we will find that happens when we become bruised as a child of God, is we will start to isolate ourselves from the body of Christ. We can isolate ourselves and still attend. See, we can isolate ourselves from the body by we just pick one or two that we like and we connect with in the church and that's who we fellowship with. Everybody else is irrelevant. That's not a fellowship. That's That's not the fellowship of the believers. We can't encourage one another. We can't go to the next place. We can't go up from here when that's part of who we are on the core inside because we've been wounded. Because Christ's love is to pour out through us to all. We're to desire to want to meet the need to be part of the solution, not the problem. See He says, I believe the third thing that happens that's an evidence of a wound in our life that has not been saddled by the presence of the Lord is that we will start to make decisions in our life. You will make a, a permanent decision based off from temporary situations and circumstances because we are trying to heal the pain. See, that's what addicts do time and time again. It's not that as an addict you have not been set free, but the reason why we go back is because we come out from underneath of the saddle. We come out from underneath of the presence of the Lord and His bandage upon that wound. And then we find ourselves susceptible to things that We was never intended to be susceptible to, and it causes a pain. That prick, when the world touches that hurt spot, there's no covering over it anymore. And we can't handle it, because it's too much. It brings up too much in our mind of emotions and things from the past. And when I was going through this process, I felt the Lord had showed me, several years ago I wrote in my journal, He said, Jeremiah, do not take the emotional baggage of your past battles or your victories into the day. Or you will distort your vision of the provision of God for this day for victory. It has to be cut off. In that place of removing those emotional ties from our past is a place of healing. Only the presence of the Lord can take a man or a woman or a child into that place. Because it's not of human nature. It's impossible to receive from the world because it comes from Christ and Christ alone. And I believe that's what the message is to the church today on a global scale, is for us to move from this place. And for us to come into the next place that God has for us. And we cannot do this if we step out of the process. So I believe under the sound of my voice... That there is many different mindsets that we're speaking to this morning, but you know who you are. You know right where you are this day. A wound cannot be healed unless it's first acknowledged. If you can acknowledge a wound today, there is healing that can come from the presence of the Lord. I see, the Lord does something miraculous in that place of acknowledgement of, Lord, I don't know what has happened in my life through a process of time. I was once serving the Lord full force. I've just kind of skimmed back and now I'm just satisfied with the status quo. I'm not really worried about winning the lost. I'm not really worried about helping build others up in their faith. I'm not really worried about doing anything in the church or service to the Lord or the community. What's happened? All through our life, we're going to go through this process of healing. As the Lord reveals things in our life that He desires to remove, then it's up to us to decide to come up underneath of His covering. That covering, a big part of it is a local fellowship of the church. I've talked to a lot of people in the short time that I've been in ministry uh, it just amazed me of, of how many that there are, but they become depressed. They, they get into a, a place to where they're, they feel like they're just being annihilated in life and ask them, well, where do you go to church? Well, I sit and I watch Charles Stanley on TBN on Sunday morning or T.D. Jakes and I sit at the house and I can have my church at the house. You hear that all the time. I can have my church ask, well then why in the world would He put in the Word of God, don't forsake the assembly? Why in the world? Why in the world would He say for us to come together if He decided for us to be apart? He says, well, you come to know the Lord, you see all the chaos in the world, and you see the chaos in the church, and it's going to be everywhere, folks. You're not ever going to escape it. I don't care where you go. If He desired for us to see these things and feel the emotional pull of it and to go out and regress and to be a recluse, oh, I think He probably would have put it in there somewhere and he, He sure as heck wouldn't have said, go ye into all the world. Right? Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, which is ministry, to obey the things that I have commanded you And remember this, remember I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. That's being saddled by the Lord. Having that knowledge that God is with you, He is in you, will allow you to be able to suffer the blows of life and to go through the process of time in His presence for that healing to take place. But when we find ourselves outside of the presence of God, when we find ourselves outside of His fellowship, And we find ourselves outside of study and outside of our personal prayer. The church is one thing. That's to be part of it. That's part of the structure of the life of a believer. Personal study, prayer, meditation on God's Word, abiding in Him. That's that place of being under the saddle. That's where the healing takes place, church. When we come out from underneath of that covering, the enemy will wreak havoc in your life every time. You say, why do I keep going back? This is why. You don't ever have to go back. Because in the presence of the Lord, He does not only break chains, He removes the chain. Why? I get so sick and tired of hearing people talk about broken chains. You know what a broken chain can do? It can be welded back together. But if the link is completely removed and the shackles taken off, there's nothing to put back together again. He said in the presence of the Lord, chains are removed, not just broken. And I believe he wants to remove some chains in the house of the Lord this morning of addiction. I believe he wants to remove some chains of bondage, of bitterness of resentment, of hostility, maybe even towards the things of God, it might not show up on your very person, but it's what's inside. And it becomes evident because of what's produced in your life as a result of the wound. And I believe he's speaking to the church this morning to come up. He's asking every one of us in this house this morning, will you come up from this place? And will we walk together to the next step? That's going to take something from us this morning, church. That's going to take something from each and every man, woman, and child sitting in the pew this morning or in a chair this morning. It's going to take a decision. Do you want to be healed? I've heard Pastor Chad say this before. And that's really, that's really the question to the church and the world. That's the question to the lost. Do you desire to be set free? If you desire to be set free, he will meet you in this place today, this very moment. But if you desire to hold on to the wound and nurture the emotions of the past, it will rob you of every victory from this moment forward. You will become a shell in society and in the church. You become an empty vessel that has nothing to pour out. You become fragmented and fractured in your spirit to where you're not able to walk out the will of the Lord, constantly battling, constantly being, being hit in life and being taken off course. See, that's what it meant to be troubled. You're hit and you're shaken. You're pulled away. Jesus. But the kingdom of God is unshakable. In Hebrews twelve twenty eight through 29 he says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Everything that we find that is relevant to the kingdom of God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He cannot be shaken, church. He can't be troubled. He can't be taken because of things in life and circumstances and hardships out of a sober mind. Because He knows His thoughts towards you, says the Lord. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I have thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. He's got our future secure in eternity, church. But He wants to use us in the temporal, in the now. Not only do we have a future outside of this world, we've got a future while living in it. And I believe that there's too many people that's lost their hope of a future now. There's too much of a church that has lost its future of a hope now. And it's just striving to maintain. It's just trying to hang on until the clouds open up and the trumpet sounds and He takes the church home. we got to flip the perspective, Church. We want to be a church on fire. We need to be a church that wants to remain for the one. He said, I will make you a fruit that remains, not that wants to go. And he told him all through the Scripture in the New Testament, he said, I'm going to pray for you. Not that the Lord just beam you out like Star Trek, beam me up Scotty. I'm going to pray that you stay. And that you stay to win the lost. That you stay to encourage one another to be that fruit. That when the world brushes up against you, you're not too soft and you're not too hard. But it's just right. There's a balance there. See, that's what true fruit is. It's everything that's done in balance and partnership with God. So when that which comes up against you, when it sends that blow, when it fractures you, what comes out is evitable for sustainment of life. Peace, joy, love, and of a sound mind. Jesus. Jesus. So I'm going to take just a few moments here this morning. I believe that it would be a time for prayer in the house of the Lord. I believe it's time for examination in the house of the Lord. I believe that now we ask the question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Do you know that you are in bondage? Do you desire to come out? Today can be the day that you go up from this place and you never look back. Because tomorrow is going to have trouble of its own. If you don't heal and you don't come under the covering and allow the presence of the Lord to saddle those areas of your heart of past, wounds, battles, and victories, it's going to distort your vision of the provision of God for today. And that's going to roll into tomorrow. And then that's going to roll into a week from now, a month, years from now. You know, compounded wounds are the hardest wounds to heal because they go the deepest. But as we deal with them when they come, and as the Lord gives us revelation through His Word, and we turn back to Him we say, Lord, I feel that I've come out from underneath that covering in some way in my life. I'm missing something in You. Help me to come back in under that saddle once again. Put the healing ointment. See, once a wound in the hospital is acknowledged, oh, when we have a fracture, they acknowledge it, they put a salve on it, which for a Christian is the Word of God, the presence of God, and then they put a bandage on it. And then we must go through the process of time. Oh, So many get discouraged because they don't want to go through the process because God saddles you and He covers that wound, does not mean that you will not feel it. But see, when a wound is healing, sometimes it hurts worse in the healing process than when the wound was first administered. And then it seems to linger and linger. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract us because of the lingering of the time. And he does that by. By getting our mind off from who God is. That's why it was so important for Him in John 14 to lay out who He is. Not who He was, who He is. Who He still is today. That way it shifts our mind back to the eternal and off from the temporary. And then God has placed in your midst, in the local church, people, ministers, Lay people that want to love and encourage you in the process, that wants to come up alongside of you, to help pray with you, to help be that, to help be that voice uh, as you're seeking the Lord, to help give you the opportunity to be able to succeed and to remain in that place of covering. But it's going to take it's going to take a place of transparency, church. The hardest thing, especially when you're ministering a teen challenge, or a drug program, one of the hardest things to break through is the lie. It's the denial. They may not deny that they're an addict because it's evident, but they will deny the things that cannot be seen on the inside that's producing on the outside the things that can be seen. And it takes something. It takes a humility to become transparent to the Lord. It takes a humility to become transparent to brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why the book of James, he talked about that we're to come and we're to confess to one another, not just the Lord. You know what happens when we become a man or a woman that can be transparent? The present blocks are taken down for the light of God to shine in to places of wound and healing that otherwise He cannot shine because He will not take the block down for you. And that's a great illusion and deception that I believe needs to be broke down in the mindset today. You think because we sit in the presence of, or that we come into places where the anointing is, that God is just going to miraculously do the miraculous, and it's all going to change. All through the Word of God, you will find that He, God, moves in connection with you. He saves you, at your point of repentance and salvation and ask Him to come into our heart when we repent of our sin. The rest of this life, it's going to take something from you. It's, it's going to be constant. It's making a decision. It's becoming a disciplined man or woman of God. It's becoming a humble, uh, transparent man or woman of God that lets their guard down. You become vulnerable. See, that's what He wants to do. He wants to invade your private space. And I can see just by looking out of the congregation that there's some that he's, he's touching a private place this morning of the heart. If you come out from underneath of that shell and that fake facade, you come into the reality of life and the truth of what's really happening and going on and in the mind and in the heart and in the soul, you come stand before the presence of God this morning. He's going to do something miraculous in your life. And from this moment forward, if we will walk together in unison as we want to put the pin in the hitch this morning to the presence of the Lord in each and every one of our lives and we walk this thing out together being harnessed to Him. I believe things to happen in the weeks to come in this place. And I believe all over the world for change to start to take place and happen in the church where there is a life, joy, happiness, peace, not only in the building, outside of the building, and that will become evident in how we live our life. That will become evident in what we do with our hands and our feet and our mouth outside of the assembly, and you will see communities start to be changed. Jesus, will you go with Him this morning? I'm going to ask if the worship team, if they would uh, if they would come up this morning. And there may be, if there's someone in the worship that this message is for you, don't go up. Let's stay and meet in the presence of God this morning together, church. I don't know about you, but I desire to go up from this place today in my own spirit. Because there's things that God's been dealing with me on even in the past weeks and things leading up until this moment here this morning. And I believe in the changes from glory to glory this morning, church. Amen. I believe it's time. Lord works in timing. And when you've got a church that's in time with Him, you're going to see some things happen. Not only here, but in our own life. As we become a comfortable dwelling place for Him. And that's what He desires this morning, church. If you open your heart up to Him this morning, if you've never come to know the Lord as your personal Savior, you're connected to the wrong vine, the bruises and wounds that you have in your life will never be healed. You will wither and die and fall off the branch. Because the only source of life is through the presence of Jesus Christ. And when you're connected to His vine, He will heal you while still remaining on it. Thank you for the blood covering of Jesus Christ this morning in the house of God. We live in a blessed time of grace. This is a dispensation of grace, church. There's still time. Today is the day, He says, if you will hear my voice, Jesus. I'm going to open up the altar this morning. Those that uh, want to be able to pray with people as they come up, we want to we want to anoint you with oil. We want to pray over you. We want to pray for your families. We're just going to give this time to the Lord. Don't be in a hurry to go anywhere because God works in His time, not yours. And we we get too emotionally pulled one way or the other because of time. What have we got to do? It's more important than him. Amen. Jesus, thank you, Lord.
0: This morning, Uh, I was driving last weekend to the men's conference, and uh, the Lord just kind of started speaking to me about love and uh, how the world understands love. You ever notice the songs that say, "I'll go through the deepest ocean, I'll go to the highest mountain," and for love, we'll put ourselves aside. And we will pour out everything for love. And the healing he's talking about today, the healing comes through the blood. And so when God administers healing to the body of Christ, it's that love. And uh, I think what happens is, in fact, every time we talk about addiction, I think everybody realizes it's not usually alcohol for the alcoholic it's not usually drugs uh, for anybody has any type of addiction to a drug or a pharmaceutical or it usually is the hurt you know it's the wounds and uh, and the church God was asking me last weekend on my way to the men's conference he said how far would you go for your love for me how far would you go you know because for people we'll go the deepest ocean, we'll give our life, we'll die, but sometimes, how many know the love stops flowing for some reason? And sometimes the love stops flowing because of the bruises, and we'll say, I'm not going to do that again with church, I'm not going to do that again for God. Let's just be honest for one second, nobody look around, how many have done that? It's easy, easy to do. And I've done it. I'll stop and I'll say, well, wait a minute. Am I going to love again because I'm going to get bruised again? And what God wants us to do is God wants us to be immune to that. He wants us to be like he was. He was a piece of flint. He said, my face is like flint. I just go through everything. And, And how many know he was really wounded? And so for us to accomplish, you say, well, how does this practically affect the church because if the church just stays frozen and doesn't do anything out of love then the people perish and so what he's saying is to go up from here to move to where God wants us to be yes we've all been hurt we can all acknowledge we've all been hurt but God's saying hey I want to heal the hurt I'm going to allow you to love again. And I'm going to allow you to go through because some of the healings you're looking for with your family members, some of the healing you're looking for uh, for the people around you, the people you work with, your heart goes out to them. We're going to have to love people through the hurt and that's hard to do because we've all been wounded. If If we've been wounded, we wound other people. That's just a fact of life. And so he's saying to go up from here, we've all got to find that flow of that blood of Jesus that's different than our own. And it's going to bring healing to every bruise, every minister that ever hurt you, every church that ever hurt you, every person who ever wounded you, even when you tried to do the right thing. God wants to make us the kind of people that can just fight through that. And and not fight through it hurt, but fight through it and remain healed. Remain good fruit. Hallelujah. I'm gonna turn it back over to
1: Jeremiah. Holy Spirit of God, Lord. I just want to thank you, God, for who that you are, Lord. I thank you for moving through the service this morning, Lord. I thank you for touching our hearts, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord, your presence, Lord God, in this place, for the ministry, Lord, in this place, the faithful ones, Lord God, that continue to come into the house of the Lord. And just pour into you, Lord God, and allow you to pour through them, Lord, each and every week, Lord. We pray for strength, Lord God. Lord, I pray for renewed strength, Lord, in the house of the Lord this morning, Lord. Renewed strength as we come out from this place, Lord God. Lord, that what the world sees and what our family sees, Lord, when we return, Lord God, will be the presence of an encounter with Jesus Christ, Lord. That there be such an anointing and an overflow of the love of God, Lord, flow through our bodies, Lord. And it breaks and it binds the hand of the enemy, Lord God. Lord, that we take back the ground that the enemy's been taken, Lord. And it starts right here, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the provision, Lord, for victory today in your presence, Lord. May we become men and women of God, Lord, that are focused, Lord God, on who you are. And that provision for each and every day, Lord, that we cast our cares upon you. Lord, for you care for us, Lord God. We thank you that you are a loving Savior. We thank you that you are a loving Father, Lord and that you never leave us in a place of abandonment, Lord God. But you are always there, Lord, with an outstretched hand, Lord God. Ready to saddle the moon, Lord God. Ready to put the ointment in the bandage on, Lord God. Ready to walk with us through the process of time, Lord God. And I thank you and I honor you for all that you're doing in this place this morning. In Jesus' holy, precious name, Lord, Amen.